Well, this is going to be the last sermon in this series, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right, we got some of it that were on that one. <laughs> uh, I'm excited. I'm, 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 I think it's been a good series. I hope you've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed uh, looking at it as well. Uh, and to kind of finish up this series on, on, on money and on finances, uh, I want us to look at an important concept. Uh, I want to tell you the concept, uh, and then we'll see how it plays out over and over and over again in our lives. All right, the concept is this. What you do now affects tomorrow. All right, it's a very simple concept, right? What you do right now is going to impact how your tomorrow is. And so uh, to kind of show how this is a true concept, true principle in life, I want us to look at the history of Chicago for a moment, okay? Uh, Chicago was founded in 1833. Uh, it was founded at the junction point between the Chicago River and Lake Michigan. And it seems like a great place to, to start a town, right? Uh, especially in the early 1800s. All right, 200 people came together. They incorporated the town. And Chicago quickly grew to like 4,000 people within 10 years. All right, it was insane, the amount of growth. And it, it became an important town because uh, of all the canals that that uh, were a part of the country at that time. And you could literally um, take something from New York and just sail along the canals all the way to Chicago and then on down to the Mississippi. So it was an important, important part of the country growing up. But because they grew so rapidly, uh, they didn't have enough time to do some very vital infrastructure, okay? So when the town started to develop, the best place that they could think of to throw away the sewage uh, and the waste was the Chicago River, all right? And because the river just flows, right? So you just throw your waste out there, throw your human waste out there as well, and it flows away and no one gets to see it again, except that the Chicago River flows towards Lake Michigan, all right, and so this town that developed around the river in Lake Michigan, they were having a bunch of sewage problem. Uh, as the town continued to grow, grow, they needed sources of fresh water. And what better source of fresh water than this big giant lake that the town was right next to, Lake Michigan? Wait a minute, where's their sewage going? All right. All right, so there's some problems here, right? But they were smart. They're like, we don't want to drink sewage. That'd be gross. And so they uh, put these uh, water intake cribs uh, about two miles off of the coast uh, in Lake Michigan. All right, and so they had fresh water that was not being touched by the sewage uh, that was flowing into the lake. Uh, however, in 1885, there was a big storm, and part of the storm blew a lot of the sewage towards those water intake cribs, all right? Enough so that people were really scared that they were going to drink the water and have all these diseases that plagued that time period, and they had no idea how to cure, all right? And so, so there's these, a lot of problems, and so they decided that they needed to solve the issue, and their solution, it was actually ingenious, it, it was what marvel uh, of, of the current uh, world, all right? It's they decided to reverse the flow of the Chicago River. All right, so the Chicago River flows towards Lake Michigan naturally, and they wanted to reverse it to flow it away from Lake Michigan where they get their, their drinking water. And so they created all of these uh, canal locks, and it took about 10 years, and eventually they got it to where uh, the river flowed towards uh, the Mississippi River instead of uh, Lake Michigan. But why did this, why was this a problem to be? 
All right, we got to remember that. All right? It's because what they did now affected their tomorrow 80 years ago, later. All right, so what we do now, them deciding to put their sewage into the river to begin with affected them later on down the road. And so what we do now affects our tomorrow. And this place throughout all of our lives, okay? If you're in high school right now, what you do now is important. All right, I'll look at my couple of high schoolers here, the ones that are paying attention. What you do now matters. Stay in school, get good grades. Because then you could go to college if you wanted to. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> what you do now matters. And, and if you choose to, to mess around in high school, your choices of colleges become limited, right? All right what you do now matters for the future. Uh, if you choose, uh, uh, I got to look and see where I'm actually at. Uh, if you choose to eat something now, it could affect you tomorrow, right? Some of us worse than others. All right, if you choose to exercise or not exercise, it affects your tomorrow. So what you do now affects what's going to happen to you later on. And this is important when it comes to our money. All right, what we choose to do now with our money will affect us later down the road. Uh, to look at this concept uh, as found in the Bible, we want to look at a passage from Matthew chapter 25 today. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, I'd open, ask you and invite you to open up uh, to Matthew 25, starting in verse 14. Uh, and we're going to be looking at a parable that Jesus talks about. Uh, Matthew chapter 25 is, is the third chapter of three chapters where Jesus is just talking about uh, end time type of stuff. Okay, so uh, that's not that important. Uh, Matthew 25 has three parables associated to the coming of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, this is the second parable. Uh, and it's kind of a weird spot to find it. Okay, but I think it applies to what we're doing and what we're talking about today. And so uh, that's kind of the introduction here. Here's what Jesus says. Uh, this parable, uh, sometimes parables are hard to understand. This parable is not difficult, okay? You'll read it and you'll be like, oh, yeah, I know what that means, okay? Really simple. Here's what it says. Again, it was like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to and then he went on his journey. All right, so uh, Jesus is telling this story, and the story is about a master and his slaves. All right, your version may say servants. Uh, the Greek is doulos, uh, which is literally slaves, okay? And so to understand this, hey guys, I feel like I'm having feedback. Uh, to understand this, uh, we have to understand uh, slavery in that time period, okay? Uh, slavery, when we think about it, we think about American slavery, right? All right? And we think about how uh, we went to Africa and we brought all these Africans over and we forced them, and they were all basically one people group, and, and it was because we thought they were inferior, okay? That's how a lot of it was done. All right? And that wasn't the type of slavery that was in the Bible, okay? The Bible does talk about slavery, uh, but their slavery was different. All right, their slavery was mainly for two reasons. One, uh, if your country was conquered by another country and you were one of the leaders or you were one of the main fighters, you probably are going to find yourself as a slave to the conquered nation. All right, but the one that's primarily talked about in the Bible is that of slavery because I am in debt. All right, uh, if you're in debt and you need to get out of it, they didn't throw you into jail. All right, they made you go work it off. Okay, and so you could either sell off your children. All right, that's why you had to have lots of them, all right? 
All right, so you can sell them off. No, just kidding. Don't, don't quote me on that, okay? All right. You can either sell them off and, and make money that way, or you could go be a slave yourself. And the moment you worked off your debts, then you could, if you wanted to, uh, be set free. All right, and so that's the main types of slavery in the Bible. All right, and so we're talking about these slaves, and they are given money by their master. And so you can already see the difference, right? All right, what master would have trusted their slaves in American slavery? All right, that wasn't done. All right, but here they are trusted because uh, they're there for a reason. All right, and so these slaves are entrusted. Uh, there's three of them that are given some of the money of the master. Uh, one is given five bags of gold. One is given two bags, and one is given just one bag. And notice what it says there. All right, why are they given the bags of gold? It is each according to their ability? And I think this is, this is an important concept for us to understand, is that sometimes we are where we're at in life because it's what we can handle. All right? We might be just as qualified as someone else, but the reason why they may be above us may be because God understands who we are and knows what we're able to control and handle. All right? And so sometimes we find ourselves in that way of life, okay? in that position in life. And so we have to be aware uh, of these things. Okay? So that's kind of what's going on. Simple, we understand what's happening, right? Real easy. All right, so what happens to these guys as the master leaves away? What do they do with their money? Well, that comes up in verses 16 uh, through 18. We read that the man who had uh, received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work, and he gained five more bags. Woohoo! So also the one who had two bags of gold gained two more. Pee. And then the man that had received one bag of gold, he went off, he dug a hole, he put it in the ground, and he kept it hidden. Awesome. Simple, right? We know what's going on. It's, it's a pretty straightforward. We can understand uh, what's being taught here, right? All right. The first guy goes and he doubles the money. The second guy goes, he doubles his money. And the third guy decides that the best thing that he can do is hide it because his master is going to want it back. And so he hides it and he puts it in a hole. Only he knows where it's at. Well, the master returns. The master never said what they were supposed to do with it, right? All right, we got to keep that in mind. I entrusted you with this, I entrusted you with this, and I entrusted with you with this. And maybe it looks like a smart idea to make sure that the money uh, doesn't go anywhere. I mean, how bad would it be if your master came back and you had spent it all, right? All right, so I can understand why this guy wants to do this. So he does it, and the master returns, and we read in verses 19 through 21 that the master is ready to settle accounts. In verse 19, uh, we read, after a long time, we don't know how long it is, but it's a long time, enough for them to double the money, right? All right after a long time, the master of those slaves returned, and he settled accounts with them. And the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five, and he said, Master, you gave me five bags of gold. See, here I have gained you five more. And the master replies, well done, good and faithful servants. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. So we see that the master starts with the first person he interacted with. Here's your five bags. Okay, you owe me five bags. Great, you have ten. And he gives him a big thumbs up. And he gives him something that I think we all want to hear someday, right? Well done, good and faithful servants. I just see a big smile, big thumbs up, great job. All right, that's what I see from this master as he's talking to this guy. You've been entrusted with little, now you'll be entrusted with much, because I can trust you with what you've been given. All right, we, we see this principle, right? 
What you do now affects your tomorrow. What this man with five bags of gold did affected his tomorrow when his master showed up. All right? It was good because he was faithful with what he had been given. Uh, we're not going to read verses 21 through 20, or 22 and 23 because they say the exact same thing. The guy with the two gold, he comes, he has two bags, he says, hey, now you have four, and the master says the exact same thing, well done, good and faithful servant. So these two uh, guys are doing the exact same thing, and it's just repeated, okay? All right, so that concept is clear. Verses 24 through 25, however, deals with this third man. All right, and what did he do with his gold again? He hit it, buried it, right? All right, now the master's come, he's gone out to the woods, found the tree that he hid it under, and boom, he found it right away. He knew exactly where it was. All right, verse 20, uh, uh, 24 through 25 says, Then the man who had received one bag came, he said, Master, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you had not sown, and gathering where you had not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. So here is what belongs to you. You know, I kind of picture this guy kind of being like, man, master, I know that you are tough, so I didn't want to lose your money. Here it all is. I wonder what this guy thought as he saw the other two men bringing double what they had been given. I just kind of wonder in my head, and this guy's bringing his bag. I haven't lost any, right? I haven't done necessarily anything wrong. I didn't lose your money, But here's the master's reply in verse 26. He says to him, you wicked and lazy servants. I think that's a far cry from good and faithful, right? Good and faithful, good and faithful. Wicked and lazy. Here's what he says. He says, uh, you're wicked and lazy. You knew that I harvested where I had not sown and gathered where I had not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. How many of you guys have a savings account? How, how, what, what's your interest rate on that? Right. I think mine's like a 20th of a percent, okay? Like nothing. You know, I get lucky if I get like 60 cents uh, a month, not a month, that'd be a lot, 60 cents a, a, a year or something like that. All right. Yeah, this master's like, you, you understand my relationship with everybody else, and it would have been better for you to gone putting it in a savings account. You at least would have given me a little bit extra. Right? And, and, and this master, he's not happy that he just hides it away. If he wants going to hide it, put it in the bank, hide it in the bank. All right, but that's not what happens. He says, you're wicked and you're lazy and you should have done that. Uh, Jesus closes it out with 29, uh, 28 through 30. He says, take the bag of gold from him, give it to the one who has 10, for whoever has will be given more, and they who ha- will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have, will be taken from them. And throw the worthless servant outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Pretty straightforward parable, right? We, we picture the master, we picture the servants, we kind of picture them as they're doing their different things, and we even see this end. And we see this principle that I started off with, right? What you do now will affect your tomorrow. So, so how does this apply to our finances? This is, this is where I think it applies, right? We need to be people who are practicing stewardship now. A lot of times I think we're hesitant to do this. 
A lot of times I think we think about all the bills we have and we think about all the uh, uh, things that debt that we have to get out of and we choose not to start stewardship right now because we have so many other things to worry about. But I think we need to be good stewards now so that our future will be good as well. What we do now will affect later on down the road. Ultimately, guys, what I want out of you is for you to be generous givers. I think that's something that we're called to be as Christians, to be giving to those who are in need, to be giving towards the kingdom and its growth. And I think that that is one of those things that, that uh, it means when we're talking about being a good steward. And I think it begins now. Not once where finances are good. Not once all my debt is gone. We begin stewardship and giving generously right where we're at. Whether you have five bags of gold, whether you have two bags of gold, or whether you have one bag of gold. And I think with whatever we've been given, the principle of the parable is that we need to be faithful where we're at. And so all these things that we've been talking about over the last month, I think they tie into this. Begin now so that your tomorrow will be affected. Begin to give generously now so that tomorrow it won't be something new. It'll be about who you're at. Oftentimes we find ourselves and we're like, why am I in this situation? Well, it's because of what happened yesterday that you're here. So begin now. So how do we do this? I I think we give extraordinarily uh, through two different means. I think we give extraordinarily when we stopped being in debt. Again, going back to what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, we need to, as Christians, be out of debt so that we can give much more extraordinarily and generously than what could ever be imagined. See, I want us to be people that are giving in such ways that our family and friends look at us and are like, are you crazy? You're doing what? Because the world doesn't think this way. I mean, the world doesn't think about giving money away. We think about hoarding it, right? I mean, that's what our society is based upon. I want what's for me. And I think we need to be different as Christians. We need to be uh, different than the way the world thinks. And so if we're out of debt, if we're not adding these different bills, then then we have the ability to give in ways that will amaze people. Here's how uh, Emily and I do it, and you can take it or leave it. You know, I just want to tell you a little bit about my own story. When we, uh, uh, for a number of years, first seven years of our marriage, we decided we weren't going to have internet because internet's expensive, right? All right, it can get up there, and it's getting up there uh, this this month. It jumps up for us again. All right, and when we made that decision, when we decided to add a bill that wasn't necessarily uh, a necessity. It was a, something we desired. You know, we also made the choice to give on top of that. And the reason why we even decided to, to get internet uh, was based on some things that were happening in our lives. Okay, Emily, uh, if you know her, she loves to take pictures. All right? And she also loves to put them on Facebook. All right? And so uh, when you don't have internet, that's kind of hard to do at your house. All right? And so there would be uh, days where we would come after youth group and she would stay and uh, she would spend hours posting all these pictures on Facebook uh, using the church's internet. And for me, I, I love sports. 
Uh, I like to watch sports. And so I was calling up people like Bernie and saying, hey, the Colts are on today. Are you watching it? Yeah? Hey, I want to watch it too. Is it fine if I come over? You want me over, right? And Bernie was kind and said, yes, you can come over. <laughs> and it was, that's, I mean, because I, I desired that. It was something I wanted. So not only was she spending time away from the family posting all these pictures, but I was spending time watching football and basketball and all kinds of stuff. All right, and so we chose to get internet. But along with that internet, we also said, okay, if we're doing this, then we need to give somewhere else. And so uh, she had found this uh, lady by the name of Katie Davis, and, and Katie, uh, she went as a missionary to Uganda, uh, and she went there and she saw all these orphans uh, that had no food, uh, that had no parents to take care of. Uh, in Uganda, if you don't know, they, they were going through a lot of uh, internal strife uh, at that moment. Uh, there was this guy coming and kidnapping kids out of their beds, okay? It was really bad. All right, and so Katie was there, and she was wanting to take care of them, so she started to adopt all these kids and started this, this orphanage for kids to come and to get food, even if they, even if they were just off the streets or, or living with their parents, they could come and eat. All right, and so Emily was like, let's give to this. And so when we added Internet, when we added this bill, we also chose to add an offering. I think this is the kind of the concept that we need to have in our lives, is if we're going to add a bill to our, to our life, we need to ask the question, is it a necessity? All right, if it's a necessity, great, add it. If it's a want, ask yourself, is there somewhere else I can give towards the kingdom? Because what you do now will affect tomorrow. And though we don't give a lot to Katie and her, her ministry, our giving helps. Helps the lives of these kids who don't have food and who don't have an education and who don't have people that love on them like you do. And I think the giving that we give will be affecting not only our future, but theirs as well. I think we need to live with less. All right, the first concept we talked about, right? What in your life do you have all the time that if you gave up, you could give extraordinarily for God? And it could be simple. I mean, maybe you are the type of person that every day you go to the Casey's and you get a drink, a fountain drink. You know, the 32 ounce, it fills you up, right? Those fountain drinks are what, $1.29 with that before tax? What if you just gave up that fountain drink? Every day. I'm not going to buy one. All right? Maybe you buy six of them, right, a day, and, and you're just not going to buy one of them. Okay? It's to be simple. If you save that money, that's about a $37.80 a month that you can give towards the kingdom. There's this organization called Compassion International. And what Compassion does is they go into these poor countries and they find these kids that if Compassion didn't help them, they wouldn't be getting an education and most of them would probably be getting kicked out of their parents' house at a young age and fending for themselves. But Compassion goes in and they give them a place where they can learn, all right, where they can know their numbers and their ABCs and all that stuff, where they get the message of the God and what Jesus has done for them. And do you know what the price is? of sponsoring one compassion child is $38. So if you gave up your fountain drink every day, all you'd have to do is find 20 more cents for the entire month to support these kids. 
what you do now will not only affect your tomorrow, but it will affect the tomorrow of people you don't even know. Giving less, living with less in your life can cause a kid in another country to, to have an education where they otherwise wouldn't. To succeed in their countries and their tomorrow is bright because of you stopping a fountain drink. Simple. Easy. I think we need to, as Christians, have a handle on our money. And I think we need to begin this process of stewardship. Not five years from now, not seven years from now, not a month from now. I think we need to have a handle on our stewardship right now. Because if we can be better stewards, if we can live with less, if we can get out of debt, if we can give generously then we can affect the tomorrow of not just our lives, but the lives that the kingdom impacts. And so that's my challenge to you, is, is be better stewards. Simple message. The point of the parable, be faithful with what you have. And so if you are someone who's barely making a minimum wage, be faithful with that. And it's going to look different than the way I do it, okay? All right? It's going to look different than the way this person over here does it. Be faithful with what you have. Give generously. If you make lots of money, all right, if you're in three figures, awesome for you, all right? Be generous. Be faithful where God has placed you. And if you're faithful with a lot, then you will be entrusted with more. And if you're faithful with little, then you'll be entrusted with more. That is the point of the parable. What you do now affects your tomorrow. Let us be good stewards now and be blessed by God for tomorrow. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we're grateful for all that you provide in our lives. We're grateful uh, for the food that we have on our tables. We're grateful for the roofs that are over our heads. Uh, we're grateful for the warmth in the winter and the cool in the summer. God, I pray that in our lives we will never forget the many things that you have blessed us with. And I pray, God, in our lives that we will be thinking ways that we can live less, of ways to get out of debt, of ways to just give generously with the many gifts that you have given us. Help us, Father, to constantly keep in mind uh, this concept of what we do now affects our tomorrow. Help us, Father, uh, to be people of God who are faithfully holding on to and faithfully uh, distributing and faithfully giving to those who are in need. Help us not to be hoarders in our lives. Help us instead to be joyous people who love others who give when we need to give. Help us to understand that what we do now affects tomorrow. Help us to be faithful now and not wait for the perfect timing, but to be faithful now with what you've given us. I ask these things in your name. Amen.